Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. The greatest thing the Father could ever do for us is to give us his presence. And not only did he send his son to be fully present with us, but even so after that, he he still gives us the gift of his presence. And the peace that surpasses all understanding. And when we when we're in his presence, we're transformed by it. We're truly transformed. Our thinking is changed, our heart is changed. You know, just one encounter with the Holy Spirit, Heim was talking about treasure hunting. One one encounter with the Holy Spirit changes everything. It's almost like ten counselling sessions in one. Because that's all it takes, the, the Father. There's so much emphasis on the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. Not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. Be assured of that. And it's my prayer that the Father will reveal himself so much that it will become irresistible to us. That we won't be able to help, but, you know, want to wake up early or go to bed a bit later just to seek his face, seek his presence a bit more. Read the word a little bit more. that's what happens when you encounter it my life has changed forever I remember I, I, I was in Mozambique with Will Hart with us last, last year end of last year and Will Hart was preaching it was at a harvest school I was at Will Hart was preaching and he was and I'd never seen someone preach with so much energy and such joy and just such you know something about him that I just, I just loved and then after he did this amazing message he went and started laying hands on people and I was ready I was like yeah I want, I want some of what he's got and I, was, I remember, you know, we've, I don't know if any of you guys have ever done it. You kind of like have one eye open, ready to see who's got your hand on you. And if it's not Will Hart, you, you know, you're, you're a bit disappointed. And uh, I remember I was waiting, and he was over the other side of the room. I was waiting expectantly for this man of God to come and lay his hands on me. And again, you know, as you do, you're waiting patiently like a nice English lad does. And all of a sudden, bam, I hit the floor. Nobody touched me. Nobody touched me. Will wasn't even close to me. I, no, nobody, I, just, I just hit the floor. I don't know what happened. And I, I saw this hand passed in front of my eyes. And in, this part, in the palm of the hand was engraved a name. And engraved in this, this palm was my name. And it said, Nathan. And oh God, it wrecked me. I was crying. I was an utter, utter wreck. And I didn't even know the verse in Isaiah where it talks about your name is engraved in his hand. I knew the verse about in Psalms where it says your name is written in the palm of his hand, but I, I had no idea that my name, it says your name is engraved in his hand. And I go a few days later after that, I read my Bible and I find that verse in Isaiah and I'm like, wow. And all it took was God's hand to completely change everything, change me completely. Who knew there was so much power in a hand, eh? Anyway, sorry, let's, let's get on. So we're starting the, um, the, the book of Joshua today. The book of Joshua is one of my favorite books. Um, we've finished the life of Jesus and we're carrying on, um, non-coincidentally actually, the book of Joshua, because as we'll unfold a little bit, the similarities of Jesus and Joshua. You know, the, the first and the major thing is that they're, they're the same name. So Jesus is the Greek translation of Joshua, and it's, so Hebrew is Yeshua, okay, and it sounds a lot like Joshua, doesn't it? Both mean salvation and deliverer. So, but we're going to unpack that a bit later. 
um, and I'm aware of time as well, so I'll try and I'll try and run through some things. So just to give you a bit of an overview of Joshua, for those of you that just don't know, we're going to do a bit of a understanding of where we're at the moment in terms of the end of Deuteronomy, and then we're going to read a little bit of scripture, and then we'll go from there. Does that sound all right? Good. You're all a wonderful bunch. If any of you said no, then I would have said the opposite. You're not a wonderful bunch. I'm joking. So we're at the end of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is, is basically the last writings of Moses. Moses was the, the chap who wrote the Torah or the Pentateuch, which are the first five books of the Bible. We get to Joshua, and that comes, at the, they call it the, the, um, the books of the prophets, basically. And Moses has been given his marching orders to um, the Israelites, and God has told Moses a few times the famous words that we hear in Joshua, that Joshua is usually known for, be strong and courageous. So two big things that God is speaking to Moses. Okay, we've heard those, heard those uh, verses before. Okay, so this is, the Israelites are on the, on the edge of the promised land, the promised land that is flowing with milk and honey, but this is the second time they've got to the edge of the promised land. The first time they got there, okay, and their attitude was the thing that withheld them from getting into the promised land. Do we know that story? And I'm reading this and doing preparation and time before, I've, I've thought, how many times has my, my own attitude, my own lack of faith, my own doubt, or my own judgment towards people limited my growth? limited my own um, journey with the Lord because just, just the consequences of our thoughts, of our actions, there's, there's big consequences in the spiritual realm. And so I thought, the reading this, I was like, how many times have I limited my own growth or the, the, the next part of my journey due to my own bad attitude? So the Israelites have their bad attitude apart from two people. See, well, yeah, two people. You've got the scouts. And two of those scouts, this is where we hear about Joshua quite early on, was a guy called Joshua, son of Nun, and another guy called Caleb. They, these were two guys out of a, a bunch of scouts. They go into the promised land, and we should know this story because it's one of the best teachings of sermons you can do on perspectives. Okay, so these two guys, Joshua and Caleb, go in there, and they see something different to what everybody else sees. They go into the promised land, so they see giants, they see milk and honey, and they see big fruit and things like that, and they see, they see opportunity. They see opportunity for God to do what he does best, slay giants. But with the rest of them, their attitude was fearful. They were afraid. They thought, this is too scary. This is, too, this is already occupied land. We thought we were going to get a land that was empty and, you know, it was like Eden again. But there was already occupied land. And they ran and they were scared and the rest of the people followed them, apart from Caleb and Joshua, who stood out because their perspective was different. They, were, they had a David perspective. They didn't, see a, they didn't see a giant and run away like the whole of the Israelites did. They saw a giant and they ran at it. But that, the attitude of the Israelites withheld them. They had to go back into the desert for another 40 years and then come back later. And Moses' time is up. Deuteronomy is all about, his, like I say, his last writings. And then the time has come for a man called Joshua to take over from Moses. So, Mo, so Joshua was Moses' right-hand man. And we're going to look at a little bit about um, Joshua before the actual book of Joshua and where he turns up. We know the one with, like I told you about with Caleb, um, but we're going to look a little bit about what, what, what else it says about him. So he was Moses' assistant. He was Moses' right-hand man for about 40 years, which would have been pretty awesome, isn't it? We all have desires really to hang with the big dogs, don't we? You know, you've got those guys that are doing really cool supernatural things, you know, and Moses is just casually walking up a mountain and counting God and the glory and going face-to-face with him. That's, that's really taking it to the next level, isn't it? So Joshua, he's got a pretty good gig. He's hanging out with Moses. He's doing day-to-day life with Moses. And he must have been exposed to some pretty crazy things, okay? Because Moses, he was incredibly obedient to God, wasn't he? And he saw some amazing things. So we know he'd probably been exposed to a lot. And he was, like I said, the story of Caleb, he was in the army. He was a soldier. And he was a good soldier at that. 
But where we want to introduce uh, Joshua is in Exodus 33. This is the introduction to him, Exodus 33, verse 10. And we find ourselves at the tent of meeting. And a tent of meeting was, believe it or not, a tent that was placed outside of the Israelite camp. And what would happen in this tent of meeting, Moses would go into the tent of meeting and he would meet with God. Okay, and the, and the Bible says in Exodus 33, when God's presence would come down, there would be a, cloud, a pillar of cloud that would come over the entrance of the tent so people knew that God was in town and they would worship. So that when the people were in the camp, when they saw the cloud come down, they would worship and Moses would enter in with Joshua and spend time doing whatever he did. I mean, who knows? Well, we know a little bit, but it would have been pretty cool, wouldn't it? So Exodus 33, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Now, I've been in fleet probably nine months now, and I just want to give you a heads up. This is all I'll ever preach, this verse right here. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. The accessibility of God's presence, the accessibility of God's face. And that, that terminology, friend, right there, that's deep. That's not servant. That's not associate. That's not you know, um, right-hand man, that's friend, that's intimate. You know, think of the people that we class as friends. So to be a friend with God, that's, that's quite something. Then Moses returned to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And we read in Numbers 27, 18, the Lord replied, take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. Okay, so these are two early verses that we hear about Joshua. So it's important to know, we, we, we as a church are going through, uh, or have been through a process of employing a new, uh, new pastor, which is wonderful. And it's really encouraging to know and hear the language of the elders and the staff that they're letting God choose the person that comes in. Because exactly what has just happened here, Numbers, it says, take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the spirit in him. That was the qualification. This is, God, this is Joshua's commissioning to be taken over from Moses. And it wasn't Moses' idea to take on Joshua. It wasn't Aaron's. It wasn't any of the elders. It was God's idea. And Moses was being obedient to God in appointing Joshua to take over from him. So we have Joshua who's being taken on board. We've heard a little bit about his background. But the thing that stands out for me, and I believe not only the spirit being in him was his qualification, but we see a posture in his heart in the verse that I just read. But his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Now, if you think of that tent, remember what I just explained. The presence of God will be fully manifest and God's face would be seen in that place. God revealed certain aspects of his character to Jacob, Isaac, Abraham, but he only revealed his face to Moses. And that's relationship, that's friendship there. And Joshua understood there was something about the connection with God that he was going to need for all his life. He understood that the key to Moses' success was union and oneness and friendship with God. So he lingers in the tent. He stays in the tent. He stays when everybody else has gone, when even Moses has gone and just done doing his other bits. Joshua stays, and his posture of the heart is to stay in his father's house, to stay in God's house, to stay in God's dwelling place. Does that sound like anybody familiar? So those are the qualifications he's had. He, he is hungry for God's house and he's got the spirit in him. And I just want we all, us all to know, coming back a little bit, that that tent, whether you want to call it a tent or not, is accessible for us 
today. It's not just set apart for Moses because of the blood of Jesus. I spoke about a few weeks ago the ascension of Christ because of the blood of Jesus, because of the veil torn in two, we now have access to the face of God. We now have access to being friends with God. But friendship takes time, doesn't it? We're not just automatically friends. It takes practice. It takes trials. It takes, we, all our friendships aren't perfect, are they? But it takes, it takes perseverance. It takes going at it. And that's all possible for you and I. So coming back to the similarities between Joshua and Jesus. Joshua was a, a prophetic forerunner of the Christ to come. So not only is the name the same, but like I say, the terminology of the same, of the hunger. So Joshua's hunger for the house of God, for the dwelling place of God. We know that Jesus said when he was a young boy, did you not know you'd find me in my father's house? And that's quite amazing terminology for a young man. And we also read when the, the, um, gospel, uh, the, the gospels document Jesus overthrowing the temple and doing the, the tables, it's quoted, zeal for his house will consume me. Okay, that's written in the Psalms, but they describe Jesus with that. So you've got the similarities between the passion for God's house and God's presence. You with me? It's making sense? Good. And they both led people into the promised land. If you haven't read the boss of, if you haven't read the book of Joshua, I'd encourage you to start today. We're going to go through it from these Sundays onwards, but keep read the book of Joshua because it talks about how Joshua takes the people from about two million people, takes them into the promised land. And we know that Jesus takes us into the promised land. And where is the promised land? The promised land is the kingdom of heaven by his death and resurrection. We now are in the promised land. We have access to heaven. And we know that Joshua, he was a mighty warrior. He won many, many fights. He was a courageous warrior. He was very, very good at what he did. He, was, he, was, he hardly ever lost. I think they only lost once in the book of Joshua, I think it is. But we know Jesus, he won a spiritual battle. He didn't go and fight the Romans with his sword and all those kind of things, but quite the opposite. But we know that all the actions that he took were him winning a battle in the invisible realm. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but the principalities of darkness, and so on and so forth. So we've got lots and lots of different similarities. But the thing I want to highlight the most, and people, you don't have to agree with me here. Just, just so you know, you don't have to agree with me. I'm encouraging you to find up your, your own understanding of things. Just you don't feel like you've got to take my word for it. I'd encourage you to read. You know, who's to say that I'm telling the truth? You know, I am telling the truth, but look, look for yourself, all right? So I'm just, just, just saying to you, if you don't agree with me, that's okay. But I'd encourage you, don't just oppose me, but do stuff, do something about it. Find the truth, read the word for yourself. But the similarities are the radical obedience to the Father's voice, in my opinion. I remember reading the book of Joshua, and I think, I, I remember, I, I think I titled it in my Bible, the book of obedience, because God tells Joshua to do some quite remarkably, um, quite remarkable things that just don't make sense. You could look at the walls of Jericho, for instance. Okay, mate, we're going to knock down these walls. I want you to march around them seven times. And on the seventh day, I want you to make a shout and, a, and blow the trumpet. You'd think there'd be a bit, bit, bit of a different way of, of defeating a wall, wouldn't you? So you read the book of Joshua, and his obedience to God was, was almost immaculately the same as what Jesus' obedience to God was. You know, putting saliva in people's eyes and ears and things like that. You know, it's a little bit interesting. But they took God at his word, and they believed it. They didn't second-guess it. So we're going to read a little bit now. Don't worry. We're going to read a little bit of the word. So why don't you join me in Joshua 1. Can we see, is it on the screen? We're going to read from Joshua 1 to 10. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. 
Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on, land I've, on the land I've given you, from the Negev wilderness to the south of Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River to east of the, in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail or abandon you. Do these words sound familiar? We can relate these to Jesus talking to his disciples. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So we've got a fulfillment there of the covenants coming into, into place. We've got you know, the covenant he gave to Abraham, Isaac, taking up land and the descendants, as numerous as the stars. But he's also got a lot of creating going on there. And what I mean by that is when God speaks, he creates. So when God speaks strength, when God speaks courage, when God speaks these things, I will give you the land. It's almost, it has already been done. So he's creating a mindset within Joshua and a heart posturing Joshua that will equip him to do everything he needs to do. And it will also be a point of remembrance and a point of altar to remember when times do get hard, he will remember that God spoke life into him and said, you are strong and you are courageous, be strong. In the same way that God spoke, let there be light, he speaks, be strong and courageous. Because he knew he was going to need it for all he was going to face. And we've got three keys to success in that, in that verse just there. And we've heard a lot about it from what Rachel was saying with loving the Lord your God and, and, the, and the, um, putting the word on your head and heart. So the Jewish people literally do that, by the way. So if you go to Israel or you go to a Jewish community, they'll have these little boxes on their heads that you'll see. And they'll have things tied around their arms. And if you go to a Jewish house, they'll have a, on the doorpost of their house, which will be the word of God. And this is the book of instruction. And that's, they're taking it literally. So for us, it could be spiritually or metaphorically not having the word of God on our whole being. But these guys take it literally. So that's what, that's what it's about. So we've got three keys to success right here. Is there any successful people in the house? None? Oh, that's sad. Okay. I was hoping there'd be one person that would, you know, be a little bit successful. But that's okay. Because success is godly. You know, we're called to be successful. You know, we're called to live life and life abundantly. So if, you're, if, if you are successful, if you want more success, listen up. And if we do, if you aren't successful, listen up for the keys of success. There's a lot of success in that sentence right there. So the first one, success. Be strong and courageous. If you want to be successful, you've got to be strong and you've got to be courageous because life is tough. And these guys were in a physical fight and it's very unlikely that we'll ever be in a physical fight, but we are in a fight. Whether you notice it or not, we're in a fight every single day against things that we don't, that aren't, that, against things that aren't seen. And the first command is be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. It's a posture of the heart. It's a posture of the mind. It's a, it's a thing that God spoke into existence when he spoke into Joshua. Because it was something that equipped him to face the armies that he faced. And we know that strength comes from joy. Because we know the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if we need strength in this place today, we need joy. 
It was the joy set before Jesus that he endured the cross. And the joy was the source that he needed to get the strength to go through the torture, through the crucifixion, and through the death. That was the key that got him through. He didn't try and be macho. He just had the joy there that was the strength that enabled him to endure the cross. Are you with me? Number one, be strong and be courageous. Number two, carefully obey God's word. Don't get detoured. Live it as a lifestyle. So we're all called, as we know from the verses, to, to obey it, to live it, to breathe it, to, to be absorbed by the word of God, to be fascinated by it. And if, and if you don't understand it, and a lot of people, I know a lot of people struggle to read God's word, and the best thing you can do is not just put it away in a cupboard, but pray. Say, God, help me. You know, Smith Wigglesworth said, you know, I, he is famously quoted that I don't read the Bible in, in different, um, what's the word, the different versions, but I read it in the Holy Ghost. You know, and, that, and that's the same way we're meant to be. We're meant to partner with the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, would you help me unpack this? And sometimes it happens instantaneously. Other times, God will put people in your life to interpret it for you. And I believe that to hear today, and I'm going to share a little bit about this later, here today, God has wanted to rise up a new hunger for the word of God and make it cool again to want to be righteous, to want to get into the word of God. Number three, so number two, carefully obey God's word. Number three, meditate on it day and night. So the word meditation can be a little bit weird for, you know, you go into the world and speak about meditate, you might go into yoga and things like that, but the word meditate is to, to, to basically chew on and still yourself and focus on. And meditation to the, word, the world's eyes is an emptying. It's emptying yourself. It's getting rid of your whatever negative energy, whatever you want to call it. But meditation, it was biblical first, by the way. David used to, he talks about meditation. It's gone on for thousands of years. It's in a new thing. But meditation within Christianity is an infilling. It's an infilling not only of the Holy Spirit, but it's an infilling of the word of God. So we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the word of God. And we need to have these things tied around our arms, tied around our heads, and the book of instruction is the books that I was talking about that Moses wrote, but we now know that we have the whole Bible that we can fill ourselves up with. So we've got three keys there. Number one, be strong and courageous, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Number two, be careful to obey God's word. Love God's word. If you don't know how to read it or you want to read it more, pray and he will help you. Number three, meditate on it. It says day and night, meditate on God's word. When you go to sleep, when you wake up in the morning, throughout your day, think about God's word because that's the truth and what we stand. We stand on the word of God, not the word circumstances. But I want to highlight this thing called strength right now. I want to highlight this, the, the word strength and courage because that was the first thing that God equipped Joshua to walk with. 1 Chronicles 16, 11 says this, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. And we've got the famous verse in Isaiah 14. It says that those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And Amy did an amazing sermon last week about waiting upon the Lord. So listen to it. If you want to know what waiting upon the Lord looks like, have a listen on the podcast. So strength only comes from the Father. And like I said, we are all facing things where we need strength. We need strength, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in our marriages, whether it's with our kids, whether it's with whatever it may be. Strength is something that we just, we just feel like we don't have and we need more of. And strength can come, you know, you look at physically, if you, you went to a gym or you're a runner or any physical activity, strength is built by repetition. 
by different tests. You know, sometimes we'll go through one test and God will take us to, will we'll see us faithful in this test and he'll say, okay, you're ready. Now let's go to this one, similar to the promised land. They weren't ready to enter the promised land, so they had to go back round again. Do you see, does that make sense? But when you pass that test, when you see that your characteristics and your mindset has been is changed and your strength has been built, he'll take you to the next one, and next one, and next one. So everything we're going through, whether it's from the devil, whether it's from God, is designed to build us, equip us, upgrade us, and make us look more like Jesus. And that's how strength has come. That's how strength comes. I'm just, I'm just supremely aware right now that there's, there's a lot of weakness in my life and in the, in the UK, in the nations. And we need God's strength. We need his mighty arm. We need his, we need his, his the, the shield of David and the presence of Jesus to come and make us strong and courageous for even big decisions to equip us to win this nation back for Jesus and to advance the kingdom of God like never before. Before I was, before I, um, this, early this morning I was praying just about today and I just felt the Lord prompt me and he said to me what I shared a little bit earlier and what Rachel was talking about is that I'm going to make wanting to be righteous cool again, basically. He was basically saying that the people have been afraid of becoming righteous or becoming holy because they think they'll be unreachable or people, they won't be able to relate to certain people. And, and some people are afraid of Christianity because you think you've got to change a lot. You've got to give up a lot of things. And there's been a negativity on going after the word of God and, and, and not striving, but pursuing righteousness, righteous thoughts. And I felt the Father just speak to me today to say that he wants to create a mindset of where we go after righteousness with our whole being. Will we, will we, I will use that word, strive. Will we strive for, to be holy, to be pure? And, he, and I feel like he's going to create a mindset within his people that people go after it and it'll be the first nature. And I, I've, I've heard it said a few times that if you're so heavenly minded, you won't be any earthly good. I don't necessarily believe that. Because I think if you're heavenly minded, you'll be incredibly earthly good because we're called to set our minds on things that are above and it's actually not that biblical. And we're called to take every thought captive and we're citizens of heaven. So why don't we stand? If I can just invite the worship band up, please. I feel like there's a, um, an equipping of strength for us today. And I feel like, like I'm talking about, I feel like God wants to speak those things into your hearts and minds. Strength to endure. Strength to endure. I just feel specifically there's things in the workplace at the moment. There's people in the workplace where they just feel um, attacked and under pressure. And I don't have the, the strength. I don't have the wisdom. I don't know how to deal with the situation in work because they're surrounded on every side. I also feel like there's strength. I feel like there's um, God's compassion is being poured out for someone here that's lost someone they love a companion, which is a, very, it's a, it's a tender thing, but I feel like the Father is, is pouring out his love and compassion and his strength for you, his strength just to get through the day, his strength to get through the week. And there's and a strengthening that he's equipping us with to go into this week with confidence, with boldness,
standing on the word of God. You know, in, in this society, in this culture, we think if I see it, I'll believe it. When actually a biblical culture is if they heard it, therefore they believed it. God spoke the word and they believed it immediately. Joshua said, before the walls of Jericho even come down, he said, the city is ours. And the similarities between Moses and Joshua, Jesus, and those guys that are in union with God, the prophets, whoever it may be, as soon as they heard God, before it has even been done, they believed it was done. And that's quite some level of faith. So even today, if you don't feel like it and you, 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 you need strength, by faith say, Lord, Father, I receive your strength. Say it by faith. Because he knows he wants to, we know he wants to equip his people with strength and courage to face tomorrow. Because we're all going through times that are difficult. We all do. God is raising an army. He has raised an army. I'm so excited for the time we live in. I'm so very excited for this day that we live in. It's not just happening in the world, but it's happening in fleet. We've been taking teams out on the street since March, just giving, loving on people and just showing the love of Jesus. And it's easy. Hasn't been a task. It's a joy to go and tell people about the creator of the universe that loves them has a plan and a purpose for their life. It's happening in fleet. And he wants to give us courage to go and do this thing. You think about the carnival with treasure hunting, he wants to give us courage to go and do this thing. He wants to give you courage, whatever your situation is right now. Just receive the strength and the courage of the Lord because it only comes from Him. And for some things we've been through, it breaks His heart that you've been through it. It was never His intention for you to go through that pain. And by faith, we receive strength right now. Allow Him just to clothe you with strength and courage. those keys to success if you want to be successful this is serious stuff strength is serious courage is serious obeying God's law is serious if you want to be successful you ever wonder why the Jewish people have so much money they're successful why they're so influential if you look at top 10 influencers in, in, the, in, in the world a good majority of them are Jewish people that's not a coincidence. That is not a coincidence. Loving God's word, being equipped by His word. So let's let's just worship. I'm just going to pray over us. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, would you clothe us afresh with Your spirit with your glory and with your strength and with your courage and I just see the father roaring over some of us right now I feel like the line of Judah is in this place and he's roaring over you he's roaring over you and in that roar the old things are falling off and there's new armour that's coming to give you fresh strength
Spirit. Move in power, we pray. And would we as a church rise up like a mighty army, just like the Israelites, in success, in victory, in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to say this over your, over your situation right now as a prophetic act. The victory is won. The victory is won. I speak that we have the victory. But through your identity as a son and daughter of Christ, we have victory. This will not end in defeat. Whatever you're going through right now, this will not end in defeat. I speak victory over each and every one of us. In the name of Jesus, 